And when the market started to slide, I, I figured, hey, I'm just going to add to the position, you know, buy some more as I can, as much as I can at a discount. And those discounts kept getting more and more attractive as the share price slid. And then 9-11 happened and I got pretty busy after 9-11. And when I finally came back to this account, I had through the magic of the stock market turned, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into a few hundred. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. Join the mission at myworstinvestmentever.com by taking the risk reduction quiz I created from the lessons I've learned from all my guests. It's time you start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Patrick Huey. Patrick, are you ready to join our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives? I'm ready. Let's do this. Awesome. Let me introduce you to the audience. Patrick Huey is a certified financial planner professional, chartered advisor in philanthropy, and an accredited tax preparer. He earned a bachelor's degree in history from the University of Pittsburgh and a master's of business administration from Arizona State University. Patrick served nine years as a U.S. Naval flight officer, earning the Strike Fighter Air Medal during combat operations and two Navy Achievement Medals. He is the author of History Lessons for the Modern Investor and the Seven Pillars of Investment Wisdom. Patrick specializes in creating financial plans, generating a retirement income stream, and managing investment strategies. Contact him for help growing, spending, and gifting your wealth. You can always find him at victoryindependentplanning.com. Patrick, take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life. Yeah, uh, thanks, Andrew. That's a heck of an introduction, and I accept the challenge. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and joined the Navy to fly airplanes and end up seeing the, seeing the world as a young man. I um, went from there and, and was fortunate enough to find a job in, in wealth management immediately out of the military. And as we'll find as we go through this interview, that was fortunate because uh, with that background, even though my dad was a banker, I knew next to nothing about money and finances. And it helped me kind of guide my future to then be able to take the things I learned in the military and actually turn that into a career in a completely different sphere. And that is finance and helping clients to grow their wealth, to gift their wealth, and to save on taxes along the way. So I started my own firm in 2016, and I split time now between Southern Florida and the Pacific Northwest. And like you, I think about risk every day when I wake up. I don't try to avoid it totally, but I do want to be aware of it and understand it and make sure that it's working for me uh, as much as it can. Yeah, that's an interesting story. In fact, we have some things in common. One is that my family immigrated from America, from Germany to America in 1839, and the city mm -hmm. they went to was Pittsburgh. Of course, yeah. And a lot, a that, lot of German immigrants in Western Pennsylvania. Exactly. So, and then my great-grandfather started an architectural firm in Pittsburgh, and then his son, my grandfather, and his, his two sons, basically, 
took over that business, which they ran for, you know, overall it was a family business for 100 years. It's now been sold and there's another group that's managing it, but they've built and had, you know, were architects on 900 different structures in Pittsburgh. So when I go to Pittsburgh, it's pretty amazing, you know, to see the archive of their work. And yeah. that's, so I grew up in Ohio, not very far away, so we did go to Pittsburgh quite often. And uh, yeah, Pittsburgh has a, a certain place in my heart, but I suspect that Florida and the Pacific Northwest, probably maybe better weather. Uh, I guess it depends on the time of the year, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I, I consider myself now kind of a, a citizen of the country. I've just moved around so much, being in the military and, and, and even afterwards, changing a couple jobs. You know, wherever I call home is wherever I hang up the hat, right? Yeah. So That's interesting because when I live in Thailand and when people ask me, you know, how often do you go home? And I say, every night. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing is that my grandfather wrote a book called Early Architecture of Western Pennsylvania. And oh, wow. Available on, I think, I think there's old versions of it on uh, Amazon. But basically, when the Great Depression happened, he didn't have any work. And he was working with his father and doing stuff. So he and his friends got together and said, hey, let's just travel across Western Pennsylvania and find all the buildings that were built prior to a certain date. Maybe it was, I don't know, 1880 or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And they went and took photographs and they went and drew them and they went and talked to the owners and they wrote this, you know, great book that just highlights all of these old structures. And so that was what he did during the Great Depression. <laughs> so I, I've got some, um, some German immigrant trivia for you then, if you're willing. I'm willing, but I don't know how good I'm going to do, but let's try. Uh, I know that you're probably familiar with Punxsutawney Phil. So the idea behind Punxsutawney actually comes from the German immigrants. The German immigrants back when they were in the old country, they would go and they would look at the bears coming out of their dens. And, you know, the, there was all kinds of forecasting that went, went along with the bears. Well, when they got to the new world, the bears were either not around or were far too dangerous to go poking on the first weekend of February. So they, they adopted the groundhog as their, their new mascot, their new prognosticator. And that's actually a story I tell in my book, History Lessons for the Modern Investor. So that's, uh, that's, my, that's my quick plug. Uh, it seemed to work there. So uh, I figured yeah. I, would, I would go down that road with you. That's cool. And it's funny how you know agricultural or agrarian-based societies have all kinds of Traditions in Thailand, we have the plowing ceremony where they bring out the royal cows and the direction that they go as far as the eating of the different types of grasses will determine what they believe will be an abundant year or a drought year or whatever. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one, no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it, and then tell us your story. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I think it's a pretty familiar story. I, I don't think I'm going to knock anybody's socks off with the novelty of this. But, you know, I, I talked about joining the Navy right out of college. I was a junior officer and got my commission in 1996. And by 1998, I was, uh, I was promoted to lieutenant junior grade. And man, I just felt like a real adult for the first time. I owned a brand new Jeep. I paid my bills on time and I had some money left over at the end of each month, really for the first time in my life. So I started talking and listening to some of my friends about stocks and 
it was the late 90s. So you can imagine what kind of stocks we're talking about, usually tech stuff. I thought they were really smart guys. They are really smart guys to this day. But, you know, Ivy League schools and I figured they were a heck of a lot smarter than I was. So I listened fairly intently. So I started a Roth IRA for myself, which was really the only part of this I got right in retrospect. And I bought a high flying tech stock name. I don't even remember. I've been racking my brain and I can't remember what it was. I must oh, that's a good name. I, I'm, I'm racking my brain and I don't yeah. remember what it was. <laughs> <Yeah. .com. laughs> there, it was probably out there at that time. But I think I must, I must have PTSD or I just wiped that from my brain because I, I cannot remember exactly what it was. But you can imagine it had .com in the name and mm. probably no earnings. But it was positioned for that new economy, a new economy, that, that sort of thing. So... I could only afford to buy one at a time, so that's what I did. I added to it when I could, but basically I created a highly volatile, barely diversified portfolio of technology slash internet stock. I did no research, right? I bought on rumor and recommendation from a peer group. I thought nothing about risk mitigation or even what my tolerance for loss was. I watched obsessively as the account grew. I checked the balance just about every day. I created a sport, right? In my brain, it was mm-hmm. it was now a, now a sporting sporting event. And you know, I, I have a friend now who does market research, and we were talking this week, in fact, about how much the Nasdaq went up during the last five or six months of the melt up in the late '90s, and it was like sixty or seven percent, sixty or seventy percent. So I did pretty well. Right, you know, this couple thousand dollars that that I had and kept adding to was soon something that was not insignificant for a kid from Western Pennsylvania, right? And I was pretty sure at that point that I was an investment genius, and that you know I was going to retire early on on an island somewhere. And when the market started to slide, I I figured, hey, I'm just going to add to the position, you know, buy some more as I can as much as I can at a discount. And those discounts kept getting more and more attractive as the share price slid. And then 9-11 happened and I got pretty busy after 9-11. And when I finally came back to this account, I had through the magic of the stock market turned you know, tens of thousands of dollars into a few hundred. And last time I checked, buying high and selling low is not a good accumulation strategy for anybody's retirement, no matter if they want to live on an island or not. So... That was it. I mean, like I said, all too common, I think. I hear the story fairly often, but I did it, man. I lived it. And, you know, I don't kick myself anymore for it, but sure it would be nice to have some of that money back. And did you uh, end up selling it or some people hold on to it forever? Or yeah, did it just re- disappear? As I recall, I finally sold it and just <clears throat> and just moved on, got smarter about money, understood that that, you know, you don't, you don't amplify your mistakes yeah. by continuing to to buy something that is that is that has no no earnings, no business model, no profits, no nothing, mm. and do so in a, in an undiversified way. Yeah. So maybe we can review the lessons that you learned from that. Yeah. You know, I think one of the reasons why I got into what I do now and, and why I'm fairly passionate about mastering the basics of finances is you know, I, I learned from that experience, but also I became very interested in cognitive biases and why we make the errors that we do, why I, you know, did the things I did, why I was ignorant and overconfident, you know, overconfidence, check, herd mentality, mm-hmm. check, anchoring bias, check, 
you know, I, I hit all, I ticked all the, ticked all the boxes there for, for making a, a stupid decision. Right. So what do you learn? You learn to start with a plan, you know, don't just come into an investment seeking an investment, come into an investment seeking an outcome. That's going to give you a much better guiding factor for things like risks. And I think one of the things I learned was overestimate your risks, underestimate your gains. Mm -hmm. And if you're still happy, then go ahead and proceed, but use that as a litmus test for risk. You know, forget, forget what your friends are doing. That's another good lesson. Personal finances are just that personal. So, you know, even though your friends are the smartest people in the room, they may not actually know anything about investing. And even if they do, what they do may not be appropriate for you. And then finally, just educate yourself. I came away from that very humbled. And I knew that if I was going to ever retire from anything, I was going to need to be better educated about how to properly invest and and do those Mm. sorts of things. And obviously, I guess not obvious at the time, but obviously in retrospect, it turned out to be my my mission in life to do that. So it was a big impact on me. And I know it, you know, I know it's one of those annoying job interview questions where you take your biggest challenge and turn it into your biggest strength. I feel like I'm doing that here, but it's true. Uh, It did really set me on a path to get educated. And that education just kept spiraling out of control until it was what I do. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things about this podcast that's so fun is the people that I meet through the podcast, like yourself, are people that have been through, I mean, we've all been through troubles, but these are people that are willing to step through the troubles that they went through and explain it. That's not that common. Majority yeah. of people I ask to come on the show say, no thanks. My, my favorite reply is, great idea, not my style. <laughs> that was well, the best rejection I got for this podcast. I spend a lot of time talking about humans and humanity, right? Because... You know, we've evolved to this current state from somewhere. We're going somewhere after it. Who knows where? But the idea is you have to know yourself. You have to understand how your brain works. And if you're not willing to go back and look at, you know, critique the things that you did wrong, well, you're just setting yourself up to keep doing those things. I mean, one of the things I learned flying airplanes, you know, the mantra was brief, fly, debrief. And in that debrief, we're going to talk about everything you did well and everything you didn't do well, Mm. because it's the only way you learn. It's the only way you get better. And that's, to me, that's the important thing as an investor too. You know, you got to, you got to debrief the failures and I'm happy to do that on your show in front of the world. Yeah. It's a great brief fly debrief. Great advice. Maybe I'll share just two things that came away from in my head. I was thinking about one of them is, you know, you talked about kind of following friends, following the market. And what I wrote down was, following occasionally works, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's just occasionally. And then most of the time in the financial markets, just following other people and not doing your own research ends up in disaster, but occasionally it works. And don't let that occasional time that it works distract you to say, oh, you know, I don't need to do my research or whatever that is. Like a lot of investing strategies, it works until it doesn't. And you got to be ready for the times when it doesn't and you got to be able to shift and you got to be able to think your way through that without either panicking or becoming overconfident. I became overconfident. That's, that's kind of how I'm, I'm built. And I know that. So it's something that I got to take every day and make sure that I'm not becoming overconfident with other people's money because that's a scary proposition. 
And the, the second thing is, uh, I wrote a book a long time ago called How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market. But that wasn't mm -hmm. the original name. I actually published it initially under the title, You Won't Get Rich in the Stock Market mm -hmm. Until You Change the Way You Think About It. I like that name much more, but many people said, oh, you got to be more positive. So anyways, but in that book that's now renamed How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market, right. I talk about the concept of, and you're going to hear it at the end of the podcast, create, grow, and protect wealth. Mm -hmm. What I always say is that we do not create wealth in the stock market. We grow wealth in the stock market. And most of the time when people go into the stock market, they think that they're coming in to create wealth. As you probably mm -hmm. felt as that stock was going up, that 60% or whatever, like I am mm -hmm. really creating wealth. But mm -hmm. once you change your mindset from that to saying I'm going to grow my wealth, now you can get rich because you're thinking very long-term. And if you're thinking very long-term, that's really the only way that you can kind of almost guarantee if you just take an index fund and you put it in your you know, five-year-old you know, kids, you set up a, an account for your five-year-old, you put in an index fund with $50,000, $100,000, whatever, and 30, 40 years later, you open that up, assuming that the index fund didn't go bust. And, but it would, even if it went bust or something happened to it, it would have been switched into another index fund with another company taking it over. And it gets to the end of the 40 years and it's going to be millions and millions of dollars. So remember, you know, from my perspective, for the listeners out there, that you create wealth. There's two main ways that I think about creating wealth. One is you can start a business, but that's not a great way to create wealth because the majority of people are not entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So it can end in disaster. So the other way that you can create wealth is that every month you get a salary. Let's say it's $10,000. If you can spend 6000 you have created wealth of right. 4000 And you now have an ATM machine. You have a cash machine. What are you going to do with that cash? And that is yeah. create versus grow. I think that's a really good point. And there is some debate on whether or not he actually said this, but we're going to just assume that he did. But I believe it was Einstein who allegedly called compounding the greatest force in the universe. Yeah. And he, even if he didn't say it, it's, it's still correct, right? Because that's how you grow or that's how you create wealth is you have money and then you get your money to work for you in some capacity that's intelligent and thought out and planned for. And you use the stock market potentially as a tool along the way. But it, I think that's exactly right. You don't, you don't create it that way. You supplement it that way. You grow it that way. But your wealth is a much bigger topic than just the stock market. Yeah. Yep. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I think you need to get a divorce from your brain at least for a short period of time, right? Understand that your brain is just not your friend when it comes to investing. Many of the things we talked about humanity, many of the things that make us human, our desire for socialization, our biases and how we process information, our reactions to threats, those things make us lousy investors. Mm. And you have to understand how you think before you can think clearly. And I presume that's part of what you're talking about in your books. Yeah. What would be the best book for someone listening to this that thinks that resonates with this? What would be the one that you would say to go to? 
Yeah, history lessons for the modern investor, where we you know talk about things like compounding and and we talk about things like diversification, and we talk specifically about some of the mental biases that you can engage in, like anchoring bias. You know, I wouldn't sell that stock because I still believed it was worth what I paid for it. Well, I don't get to decide that. That's anchoring bias. So. Yeah, I, I think okay. that would be the best book. The other one is uh, more for people who are looking to potentially hire somebody to help them with their finances, right. more of a guidebook on what questions to ask there. Got it. And we'll have links to that in the show notes. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to check them out. Now, what is one resource that you've created or have used that could benefit our listeners? We've mentioned the books. Is there anything else? Yeah, there is a, a website for history lessons, which is kind of fun. There's a blog that I will admit I'm not as active on as, mm. I, as I used to be. But there are also a couple of videos that I shot that are, that are kind of fun, looks at history and, and how we can take some lessons away from those and how to manage risk or how to uh, plan properly for our futures. Uh, right. So yeah, I, I would direct folks there for kind of a fun look if they want to get to, to see how my mind works. So which which website? Better. That's history lessons for the modern investor.com. Perfect. Okay. And we'll have links to that in the show notes. Fantastic. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? My number one goal for the next 12 months is the same goal it always is. I want to be a little bit better at something every single day, whether that's a better husband and father, a better tennis player, a better investor, a better educator, a better author, any of those works just want to be a little bit better at something every single day. Nice. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Join our mission and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. Start by going to myworstinvestmentever.com and take the risk reduction quiz. As we conclude, Patrick, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of A. Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? You know, it, that warms my heart because the, the part I didn't tell in my story is that I left a master's degree in teaching to go to go into investments to get my, my master's in, in business. So there's still a little bit of a teacher in me and I certainly appreciate and I accept with a warm heart. Beautiful. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is about one guest, one story, one mission to help one million people reduce risk in their lives. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.